This is Learning Always, the show where we're always learning. Hi, it's Martin Hughes here, aka University Boy. I've got a great show for you today. It's an interview, and let's just get straight into it. Enjoy. On today's Learning Always, I'm speaking to someone who's creative, but he's got a curse. Okay, maybe not as much of a curse as you and I do, because he's written a book on how to fight it called The Creative's Curse. As well as the book, my guest has nearly 20,000 readers over at Medium, and one of his recent posts explained how important it is to learn about everything. So great fodder for today's show. I'm currently disturbing him from his work on being the head cheerleader for November's National Novel Writing Month, so I'd better introduce him quick. It's an absolute joy to welcome to Learning Always, Todd Bryson. How's it going? Oh, life is so good, Martin. I, I can't complain. You know, you said that thing about nearly 20,000 now on Medium, and it's just, it still kind of shocks me because I like... I still remember it's like not that long ago I was dialing all this up and getting it all started and, and everywhere that it's come and everywhere that I've gotten to, to go and be and the people I've gotten to meet because of it is, is just incredible. So um, life is good. <laughs> and I guess, you know, with regards to the learning process, this is something that you you said in one of the posts recently that when you started, it was very much something's going to happen next day. Something's going to happen next day. Something's going to happen. And, you know, it, it is. Yep, that's yeah, that's absolutely right. And it was kind of this I don't know, like it really was that for me. I started and and you don't and, and this is for anyone listening, right? You get started and and not much is going to happen. Like I know there's a lot of um rhetoric out there, a lot of hyperbole. It's kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know, the the internet is this magical cash fountain and if you just jump in, you you can get your piece and all that." But like the first six months for me, it was like, even though I, I love the writing, I love the process, it was still a grind because when you start, you are in obscurity, kind of no matter who, unless you're already starting, you know, with a name for yourself, you're starting from zero. And that means you just have to do a lot of work when nobody is looking. And for me, something good is going to happen was, was that mantra, right? I would say to myself every day, something good is going to happen. Even if nobody showed up for a week or a month or, or a year, I, I kept saying that to myself over and over because I really did believe something good was going to happen and, and honest, honestly has. Yeah, well, I mean, the consistency with which you're writing, you're putting stuff out quite consistently. And I'm guessing that in a short space of time, you, you must have put masses of articles out. Do you know roughly how many? Uh, it's it's over 300 now on medium alone like i was i was trying wow. to calculate this the other day yeah and it's been it's been intense like i was looking at medium so we're, we're over 300 there i was on my quora page earlier which is a, a forum where you you know answer questions and it's kind of an open thing i'm very close to a hundred, you know, long form answers on there as well and then there's you know the the twitter always on Twitter. So it, it's, it's been a lot. It's definitely been kind of a second full-time job, it feels like sometimes. But one of the things I say in the book and I talk about all the time is it's like if you are working in something that, that kind of fills you up, it's not a drain to do those things. It's really more of a rejuvenation because you get to do what you are best at. It's, it's funny you're saying about rejuvenation. And uh, one of the things about learning, I was wondering whether there's a difference between being introverted and extroverted, but, you know, whether you agree with uh, with that kind of uh, very basic 
binary term. But uh, I don't know how you identify. I feel that I'm more extrovert in nature, but I know that a lot of people would identify more as introvert. So do you, do you think that it makes a difference in the context of, you know, this creative's curse that you're saying about that it is difficult if you are, you know, one or the other more more than the other? I don't know if it's more difficult with one or the other. And, and that's a good question, right? You say, is it kind of a, a black and white thing? And I think it's probably closer to a scale. I would, I would consider myself more of an introvert because when I hear that question, are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? What I think is what charges your battery, right? Like, yeah. do you get energy from being by yourself kind of in solitude or being in the crowd around people and around that sort of scene. And if I go by that definition, I'm 100% an introvert. And, and I think if you look at kind of the stuff I'm doing, you know, especially now when I'm starting to ramp up the YouTube and the NaNoWriMo stuff, it may seem like I'm extroverted. But the truth is that, that those things kind of zap my energy more so than being alone kind of in my space and getting to think and write and, and come up with these new ideas that I will then go out and talk about. So part of the creative's curse in this day and age, Martin, is the fact that like with the ability to create your own thing, right? Because a lot of these gatekeepers are gone and you can, you, you can go on medium right now and, and start your own writing career. You can. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But the, the thing that comes with that is also the responsibility to say, I'm also going to, you know, take control of my marketing and my promotion and putting together whatever products I want to, or, or basically you kind of have to learn to sell yourself if you're going to go down that road. And so that's, that's the balance there. That's the curse is that for many of us, honestly, just doing the art is only part of it. Because then you have to kind of get found or get seen in, in this ocean of, of stuff that's coming out on the Internet every day. Well, yeah. And that, I suppose, is part of the thing that even the art can be very draining. And so if you then need to go on to the, the selling part and the other parts, then uh, then, yeah, that, that can be draining. And it can also look so... Uh, I, I suppose complicated because for you, as, as you say, you might appear to be all out there and say, yeah, here, here I am. And that could be extroversion. But um, it's similar to my wife. She is incredibly social and she'll be out and about. But after she's finished, it's just like I need to lay down. It's the end. And I identify very much with uh, with going out and that charges me up. And it's a difficult place to be because when you spend so much time alone, which, uh, you know, I'll be doing when I'm uh, when I'm writing and creating and so on. I feel like I need to recharge my batteries. And so, for instance, doing things like this and, and doing more on the audio space, which is what I'm doing now, it allows me to recharge my batteries without even having to leave the house. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to find new ways to to, to get that rejuvenation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that makes sense. And you hit on something which is super important, which is the fact that, that you kind of have to know yourself, right? Like the, one of the big things in this introvert, extrovert, it doesn't matter what you are, so long as you know kind of what you're about and what fills you up so that you can then kind of look at your day, look at your schedule and say, okay, I know that from noon to five, I'm going to have to be you know, filming a video or like out and about at a party. So I need to make sure that I'm taking care, you know, that I have my 
morning time set aside to be quiet and be alone. And if it's an extrovert, it's the opposite, right? Like, you know that if you spend your time alone or, or you need to edit this podcast or, or whatever you've got going on, you've got to say, all right, well, I, I need to fit in some time to be on a podcast or interview a couple people or put yourself in a position to fill up your battery, which I think is really what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point. And maybe moving on from that, then uh, you say that making your art is the priority. Yeah. You, you say that in the book. And I'm just wondering, with regards to the rejuvenation and so on, you might make the, the time that you're doing the work wrong and you, you suffer for that. But let's say that you, you're self-aware enough and you know how to schedule things. What if you start to procrastinate instead? You feel like you're too busy. Uh, but in fact, it's, it's a bit of a confusion um, that, you know, you, you're not meant to be doing doing the these busy work. You're meant to be doing the art, the creativity, the learning. But um, so often it becomes procrastination. How, how Why do people confuse these things? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I don't know, Martin. I think what it is at the end of the day is is we're getting a little bit of of mixed messages. Like I, I know that there's there's just tons of stuff on the internet, and, and I'm actually going to say something which I think will be will be really useful to a lot of people who are going to hear this, which is the fact that like one of the things that helped me so much develop my own career and and build the following, which you see, is I pretty much shut out most of the information that I was reading. You know, you've got your Gary Vaynerchuk's, you've got your Jeff Goins, Michael Hyatt, John Acuff, uh, yourself, of course, and, and all these people are offering advice and viewpoints and things like that. And it's easy to kind of take it all in and procrastinate because you really aren't sure what to do. So my suggestion, what I think is going to be super helpful to everybody is for a while, what I will do is I will shut out every single voice except for one. I will become like, I, I like the term disciple because it, it shares the root with discipline, right? And, and you're following ah. one person and you kind of walk in those footsteps for a while because what you do then is you kind of remove the uh, paralysis by analysis thing, right? Like mm -hmm. if you narrow it all down and you say, okay, this week I'm going to follow this person's advice. And so for everything that I do in my own life, I think, okay, what, what would this person do? Or, or what's the advice that this one person would follow? And then ignore all that other stuff and then just take action in that direction. And I think that that's where the procrastination comes in is when we can't decide exactly what to do. So we, we look and we are never sure kind of where to land. Yeah, I, I like that answer, Todd. That's, uh, that's good stuff. That leads me on to something else, which is how often would you personally change that one viewpoint you look to? And, uh, and are you looking to anyone in, uh, specifically at the moment? Specifically at the moment, I'm looking into a guy named Eric Thomas, who is a, a motivational speaker. He actually just got back from London not long ago, but he's not even a writer, which is, which is the funny thing, but he kind of lays out these principles. And I know, you know, because I know myself, I won't like be listening to him forever. So that's, that's the guy I'm in right now. Earlier this year, and there have only been two people this year. He's the kind of been the last two months or so. Uh, in the first half of the year, it was Gary Vaynerchuk. And I'll tell you right now that I made that switch for me because Gary Vaynerchuk has a lot of great things to say. He's a super businessman. Nobody's going to contest that. But 
in my head, like I was getting mixed up because all he preaches is business. And I would sit there like, and and this is a real conversation that happened this year. Like I was so focused on my dreams. I'm so focused on like growing this thing. And my wife kind of sat me down earlier this year and she said, Todd, I see the potential. We're going to have great things in five or 10 years, but we have real things happening in our life right now that I need you to be a part of. And that conversation for me, like it it kind of rocked me because, and and thank God, you know, I have a woman who can tell me things like that because I don't see it in myself. And like that conversation, I was almost instantly able to make a pivot and say, okay, look, like I, I have to look at all these other areas of my life if I want to really live as full as I want to live. And so that's when I made the strict switch from Gary to Eric, who kind of preaches more about the family life and, and winning in, in all aspects as opposed to just a career thing. That's a, that's a nice way to look into it. And uh, in, in fact, one of the things that you said on Medium uh, quite recently is about learning about everything. And if you do just keep yourself in, in that one area, like say with Gary Vaynerchuk, for instance, then one of the things that I find is that, for instance, as much as he's got some great advice, a lot of the time he's giving that same advice again and again and again. And he says, look, you don't need to keep listening to me. Just switch off. I would rather that you go and make the most of your life rather than keep watching the video videos I put out because I'm telling you to do stuff and all you're doing is going, hey, that's great content. I can't wait for the next thing. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's, I I think that's what happens. And you look at it like the whole, I guess, information industry online. It's like, it's kind of dependent on these people coming back for more. Whereas if you took one or two of these things and just left and actually, you know, acted on those things, you might not need so much information anymore. And I think that's kind of the switch that a lot of people need to start hitting. Yeah. And, and also there's uh, potentially that it just reminded me about listening to the showrunner podcast, which is uh, hosted by uh, Jared Morris and, and Johnny Nasta. And they were saying on their show about how they, you shouldn't put out more than one podcast maybe you've got a podcast and it's really going well Mm -hmm. and you need to be very careful before you put out a second one Mm -hmm. and uh, what's interesting is that i'm putting out all in one go three different shows (laughs) all at once and it's like i'm i'm doing something completely different it's like i'm challenging myself to do way more than i need to but at the same time i feel like there is this necessity to uh, to kind of push through some of those boundaries by challenging some of the advice that i'm listening to but at the same time doing it in in a way that I'm self-aware and uh, and I get a, a lot of that from some of the things that you've uh, you've said in your book interestingly uh, one of my favorite bits uh, yeah it feeds my confirmation bias I think I said this to you earlier that yeah. um, it, part of the book is uh, two ways to march your way into recognition yeah and I love that consistency and momentum that you talk about are, are such a big deal. And that consistency means that you can challenge yourself to put out three different podcasts if you really want to, because if you know what you're going to put out and like you putting out all these medium posts and so on, you have a purpose, you have the drive, you know what you're doing. You don't need somebody to tell you, oh, you know what, actually hang back a bit because you've got enough of the self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and consistency is such a huge thing. You know, no matter what you do, like I have another post out there that's that's kind of similar to that, Martin. But the thing is, it's like if you show up once a week, like if you're getting started once a week and you have three shows and you do those three shows once a week, 
that's consistency. Like if you can keep that going, and I know there's so much kind of pressure to be, oh, you have to be everywhere, every single day, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Medium, Anchor, mm-hmm. Podcast, like all these things, you know, every every single day you got to be in people's face. But yep. the thing is like a lot of people and we're counting down to the new year, right? So I'm, I'm already prepared. Come January, we're going to have a whole lot of people starting shows and they're going to do it at a rate that, and this is the key part. Like it, it's not that I'm against people starting stuff because I live for that. Why do you think I'm dedicating a month of my life to pumping people up to, to write 50,000 words, right? Like at, at no benefit to me, you know, I'm not selling anything. I just want these people to actually kind of fulfill what they want to do. But what happens is yeah. if you go at a rate that you can't handle, that's where you lose heart, right? Not only does kind of the idea fall apart, but you kind of take a hit in the, in the confidence, right? You kind of lose a little bit of, of that trust and that faith, faith in yourself. But if you start slow and say, you know what? I only have 10 hours of free time a week. Like that's it. And if you work within that and be consistent within that, I'm a big believer that once you're kind of faithful in that kind of stuff, you'll start to find more room to do more as you go along. But you have to start with something sustainable first. That's a good point. And part of what is making me do that is that I've moved away uh, a fair while back. I mean, we're talking about 12 months or so. I, I moved away from having that consistency on places like Twitter that where, where I was spending a lot of time getting to, to know lots of people, I, I knew those people and I needed to back away from that in order to do different work. And I, it makes me wonder about fear, because if we put too much pressure on ourselves, as you say, to be everywhere all the time, all the services, all the platforms, you know, is it really serving you particularly or you know, is it really getting you out there in a way that it can sustain you and help you? Does fear get in the way of the learning process? Oh, boy, big time. Big time, because I mean, it's, and it's not so much that that we are afraid of learning. I don't, I don't think there's a person alive who who consciously thinks, ah, uh, you know what? I just, I, I don't really want to learn that. Like maybe there are a few with some different, you know, someone's in college and they're like, yeah, you have to do organic chemistry. It's like, I don't know about that. Um, but, <laughs> but it's more of a comfort thing, right? Like we, as humans, kind of like to be comfortable. You know, so the brain, you know, we learn yeah. things, we assimilate it, we feel really good about where we are in life and we start to use those tools. And I'm kind of going through this situation at, at another job that I have is it's like we're dealing with these people who are using the tools they have and that they're comfortable with, but are so outdated, Martin. I'm talking to Todd Bryson today on Learning Always. Todd, I was just wondering about people suffering from what they say is writer's block or, as you call it in the book, creative's block. Do you think that some people suffer from writer's block because they're not consistent enough? Oh, of course. Yeah, I I think that's part of it is like and this is the secret that I'm I'm kind of identifying this about myself recently. But what I think has happened, you know, we I go on every podcast and I talk about all I'm doing, right? Like the videos, the medium posts, the blog posts, the core answers, the Twitter, like everything that we've talked about. What I've realized it is, Martin, is that I'm kind of scared 
to slow down because I feel like that's when doubt creeps in and fear creeps in and insecurity creeps in. And that's why, you know, I've, I've made the transition away from kind of like looking at the stats, looking at the metrics, the data, like all these business like things. And I've completely spent that time on writing instead because I feel like if it's this weird thing where it's kind of a self-defense, I'm sure, for me, is like the more things you create, the less chance there is of, of you getting really attached to this one thing and having it break your heart if if people hate it. And so that's that's the beauty of the internet, right, and blogging is that you get to test out all of these ideas and then that's that's how the creative curse came about. I wrote a post. People really liked it. I said, you know what? I think there might be a book here. And I developed it into a book and, and that's kind of... That's kind of how it works sometimes. Nice. So, so you did a, a little bit of uh, checking out what people wanted, first of all, without even realizing. Yep. Yep. That's what happens. And now it's even more formalized because I've been talking about Quora a little bit here. But I'll, I, what I'll do now is test out the ideas there because there's I have a lot smaller following. There's a lot kind of less not pressure, but but there's less attention to the things I put out, right? So if something I feel like percentage-wise is is getting a good amount of, of replies and upvotes and that sort of thing, I'll say, aha, I've got something here. And then I'll take it to Medium and, and revamp it, reformat it, expand on it here and there. And then if they really like that, I'll either write more in that vein or, or consider it for, you know, the next book. So it, it's kind of this long chain of it. So like, okay, how can I make this a little bit better? People like it. Let's make it a little bit better. People like it. And what happens when you get to, you know, where I am is that it's nice because you kind of have the people guide you to, to what they need and what they're looking for. And so that's what consistency can help with. And I think that I haven't had writer's block in two years now is because I've completely opened myself up, right? And I'm writing about these things. And then someone will literally come and ask me a question. And if it comes in, you know, that same kind of question comes in two or three times, I'm like, oh, maybe I should just write a post on this, right? So I, I think I think that consistency is definitely a way around kind of powering through that that block that people are so afraid of. And another good point that you just made was about being able to have that question asked again and again, you can answer it and you can have it more nuanced and more polished. And as you say, you can expand upon it in a book. So that means that you can essentially answer the same question, repurpose it, have it out there many, many times. And you're you're, you're becoming more of an expert yourself and you're being recognized as an expert in that uh, simply by reiterating your position. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people are scared of a lot of people starting out are like they look at they look at me and they're like, wait a minute, you know, I, I kind of see the threads here. Like if, if someone's really deep into what I do and, and follow me on a couple of different platforms fairly religiously, they'll, they'll see the same ideas come across time and time again. They're like, you know, what's up with that? And I struggled with that for a while. Right. Because I would see I would say, hang on a minute. I already read this in your in your email list, sir, or, or whatever. And I would see it come out again. and I'm like, I kind of felt cheated, but then I realized like if you have a book and you're trying to sell that book and someone said, hey, do you want your book on audio? Well, of course you would say yes. Or do you want your book on Kindle? You would say yes. And that's kind of what's happening with all these platforms now is, is you have the ability to, to spread your message 
just across different platforms. So it's not it's not even like you're repeating yourself. Now, if you did that, you know, there's one thing coming up over and over again for a month on every platform, people might get tired of that. But that's you're just spreading the message around in the format that it needs to be to the certain audience that's there because there are different people on Twitter and Quora and Medium. And you're getting things kind of as far as they can go. You're, you're maximizing that idea. Or that's what I that's how I consider it anyways. Well, one, one way to look at it maybe is through when I first heard about you, it was through uh, Anchor. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I, I'm going to put links to all of the things we've been talking about um, in the show notes and things like that. But with regards to Anchor, which is a short form audio production, just like two minute pieces, uh, that was when I first uh, heard from you. And what's interesting is that then uh, for a good number of years now, I've known Declan Wilson. And it was only when I was speaking to Declan that I found out that uh, you two know each other and uh, actually uh, very, very good, good friends and have helped each other with uh, with your books and, and so on. So uh, I, I didn't know uh, you, but I, I've known Declan for a while because uh, I think I found him through when he was ta- he was talking on something like uh, uh, Jeff Goins group or. Oh, yeah. Um, or fizzle or something like that. He he was talking some somewhere, and he just started uh, millennial type. Yep. And so I I pretty much just started uh, following him from there because I thought, oh yeah, this is the kind of thing up my street. It's uh, in the same kind of vein, and it's uh, people just leaving college, university, that kind of thing. So I've known him for ages. Um, and, uh, I only, you know, it's, uh, what, no more than a few months back, really, um, getting to know you yeah. and, uh, and yet then, you know, that this is where these things, uh, intertwine. If, if we didn't have anchor and Twitter and all of these forums, like I say, you know, from a, a Facebook group with Jeff Goins, I think, and uh, all these different things going on, then how would we be able to know what we're all doing as, uh, as, as individuals to become a collective? Right. Yeah. It, it's just tough to keep up, right? Because it, you can't, you, you just can't follow everyone that's out there. And and I think that like tapping in, you know, we, we talked a little bit before the show or have written back and forth about, well, does it really matter where, where you are consistent? And honestly, I'm, I'm not sure that it does. I mean, sure. If, if you're on MySpace consistently, like <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you're not going to get very far, like as a writer, but you know, I was, when I was showing up on medium consistently, it was still, the platform was still pretty small. And, and you, when you and I connected on anchor, I think that I really started to form some of these relationships when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to spend some time and, and be on anchor every day for I guess maybe two or three weeks. And so you and I got to a point where we were having a a mini conversation pretty much every every day, every other day. And when that happens, it's like, you know, you, you think what happens is you go on the internet and there are all these quote unquote followers and you just like grow this thing. But what's happened for me, and and I think it's been similar to you too, is like Better than that, I've gotten six or seven or maybe, you know, 11 or 12 by this point, like real actual relationships. And that's yeah. that's what puts, you know, you and I in the place to do this right now is because, you know, we, we know each other well and we're having fun. And, and Declan and I, too, like randomly I emailed him one day and I was like, let's do a guest post. Let's let's figure out how to get your book finished and, and all these things. And he and I talk once a week. His his wife and son have been to my house and it's like, 
I don't know. That's to me. That's that's the real power of consistency and the real power of showing up is not that you get these whatever it is, you know, nineteen and a half thousand, twenty thousand followers, but those four or five or six people that you really, really connect with. Yeah. And th- there is some gold there because when it comes to the consistency, I think that for a lot of people, they might be scared to to make that leap because they think that everything's been done before. But again, we're talking about how you can reiterate and repurpose things. You're talking about maintaining relationships or, or finding new relationships rather than just getting this kind of random number of followers. So when it comes to speaking to your audience, uh, how much of it is about the content, but how much of it is about the personality? You know what, Martin, I think I'm going to say something that's going to surprise a lot of people. And that is, it's all about the personality. Every single bit. Now, am I exaggerating there? Maybe a little bit, but you got to think about these things like I'm not going to come up with new ways to leverage YouTube that no one has ever said before. Like that's, that's not when it's going to happen. I'm not going to ponder a question, you know, in school, like I would read philosophy, you know, I took philosophy or whatever. And like, you think of all these thoughts. So I know that when I go on here and, and post a, you know, a, a publication that says, why do you do what you do? Or like these big thoughtful pieces. It's not like I'm coming up with anything that no one has ever said before. It's that I'm coming to it with my baggage and my stories and my experience and my sense of humor or or whatever I have. And that's why people keep coming back to me. And that's why, like, I don't have 20,000 followers because I write all this new, unique stuff. I have 20,000 followers because I, I write about principles in a way that only I see it. And people keep, and I'm convinced, and I keep trying to tell people this, that that people are coming to me because I'm me, not because like I think all these great new thoughts or anything, but because of the way which I bring these subjects to the table. And if you're going to make an impact, you don't do it like me. You don't do it like Martin. You don't do it like Declan or Gary or any of these other guys we've been talking about. It's for the creative's curse. It's like you kind of have to embrace who you are as a person and saying, okay, you know, my experiences are the only thing I have, which nobody else does. So I'm going to bring that to the table instead and say, okay, here's my truth at this point in time told as only I can tell it. Now do you understand? And I think that's the key for, for people who are, who are, have so much pressure on themselves to be original is it's like, it's not about that anymore. It's, it's kind of about bring you, bring all of you because we need to hear what you have to say. It's funny (laughs) that you've just made me, you just made me think about how you are currently being head cheerleader for a national novel writing month. And what's funny is that you are already putting out a lot of content, as you say, um, putting out all this stuff on Medium, you've got your book and so on. You don't necessarily uh, need that push yourself, but you know that people use it to, to push themselves and you want to help others to do it. And so for you, you aren't doing anything new and yet you're doing something incredibly new in the process of saying you know i'm, I'm the head cheerleader here so it's like how many words have you how many words have you done today and you're like no 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 no. i'm not doing words i just have two amazing pom-poms and i'm there for you exactly exactly i'm like i i am the pom-pom king over here because it's like <laughs> 
when, and because, and the reason I can do this and, and speak kind of with authenticity about the NaNoWriMo thing is because I went through it myself. And so I know that Sally in Iowa is going to get to day seven and she's like, I have nothing more to say. And maybe, just maybe, if I can show up to catch her at that point and say, you know what, you've got this, you're in the game, you already have 10,000 words, the next 40,000 are going to be possible, and not only are they going to be possible, you're going to do it ahead of the deadline, and you're going to do it because you're going to sit down, and you're going to show up and write, even if you think you have nothing to say, and that's why I think my role in, in NaNoWriMo probably was even more important than my actually doing it um, two and three years ago because those words are still sitting on my hard drive and this now is uh, I'm empowering however many people I can get in front of in the next 27 days. Yeah. And why is it then that that there is this tendency and I don't know whether you've ever had this, whether you still get this, but why is there this tendency to uh, sit down, start to write and then have this uh, inner voice saying, no, that's rubbish, that's useless. Why do we all feel like there needs to be a perfect copy rather than doing a first draft? Why does it always need to, to seem to be perfect as you write those words? Okay, so what I want everyone to do right now, if you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and press pause because Martin and I will wait for you. And We will. Yeah, you're going to go ahead and, and Google Ira Glass, I-R-A-G-L-A-S-S, The Gap. And Martin, you can, you can link it up in the notes below. But it's this guy who talks about the reason that, that so many creative people have trouble getting started is because we have taste. Like we know what good art looks like, but most people start out all people start out without the talent to reproduce what we see. So it, there's the, the, it's what he says, this gap between what we aspire to be and what we currently are. And that's why it's so hard for people to kind of get over that hump because they realize, daggum, like, I'm not Stephen King. And like, or, or I'm not James Patterson or whoever they aspire to be like in, in the writing world. And so they, they kind of get down on themselves. But I keep wanting to preach this message that it's, it's an iteration. The only way you get to be Stephen King, you know, Stephen King, like Carrie was not his first manuscript. It's just the one that went, he threw that thing in the trash and his <laughs> wife pulled it out and said, okay, finish this because I, I think you've got something here. And he had done tons of stuff before that because, you know, he, he thought it was all rubbish. He's not immune to this because no. that's part of the creative's curse, right? That's part of the problem is that we are all kind of afflicted by – the thing about art is there's no finish line, right? So, mm -hmm. so we're always going to aspire to be someone we feel like we're not. No matter what level you are, you're always going to look and say, oh man, that guy, that girl, she's really got it. And, and we're going to try and get there, but you have to kind of separate the work from yourself, right? So when you yeah. can do that, you say, ah, this is not as good as I want it to be right now, but it will be. Yeah. Well, what's 
Stephen King didn't used to be was Stephen King. I mean, he obviously was the person, right. but and and of course, going forward, he he is Stephen King now, but he'll be a different Stephen King. And it's like Todd Bryson didn't used to be Todd Bryson, and I'm sure that you're not going to continue to be the same Todd Bryson that you are now. Right all the way into the future. So there is this constant evolution, this constant uh, need to be learning new things and doing that through others and doing that uh, for yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's kind of a mandate to keep keep learning, right? <laughs> learning always, absolutely. moving forward, because that's, especially as an artist, that's what it's about. Yeah, too right. And uh, and also going back to, to that, feeling of a need for perfection what, what i find a challenge uh, but also one that's well worth embracing is that doing something like this we're talking it's audio we are even though it is a recording that will go out later we're speaking live at the moment it's kind of difficult to do it any other way really yeah but well maybe through anchor <laughs> but still you know we, yeah but but here we are talking live and it means that we need to have some some answers we need to think about what's going on the uh, the conversation we're having is kind of informal but there are some secrets behind the scenes you've got the fact that i sent you a list of possible questions beforehand we've we've messed about with that we've kind of deviated a bit and uh, you know some of the questions were asked but we're doing this in a more natural uh, basis so there was there, there was a framework but we're able to build from it and we're doing that as we speak. And moving on from that also, I can edit the show. Yep. And so, you know, these are all things that mean that this doesn't have to even be a first draft, even though we're only doing it in this one take. Correct. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's that's what people don't see, I think, a lot is, is we read these books and we just think that the author was like sat down, wrote that book. And then published it. And that's not the case at all. There's just, there's such a lot of work, even with the professionals, that goes on behind the scenes in every medium of art. Yeah. I, I know that Chris Brogan said something on one of the recent editions of his podcast, which is called The 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 Owner's Mind, I think. And he, his publisher was being interviewed and and his publisher basically said, I do never, I never get a manuscript in, even from top writers who have, you know, been New York bestsellers and so New York Times bestsellers. They've, they've been everywhere. They've sold millions of copies. I will still get uh, manuscripts through and it needs to be so heavily edited yeah. that it becomes a, such a different book and with completely different words that it's never about saying, here you go, I've got the next book, see you later when it's published. Right, right. And my favorite analogy is the painter, right? Because when you paint you don't just, I mean, the, the first layer is just that, the first layer, and they don't try to work around those brush strokes or, or keep them, They you go over them, right? Like, that's how a painting is made, it would, for the most part, is you layer all these things on, and it looks like a mess, and then it looks like a little different mess, and then it's like, oh my gosh, this is a masterpiece, where did it come from? Well, it was there all along, you just kind of had to refine things here and there, and, and that's, to me, very much how all art works. Yeah, that, that is a, a good analogy there. Now, I've got a couple more questions right. before uh, before we go. Um, the first one is that I'm a bull. You've presented a red rag. Uh, in your book, The Creative's Curse, you say that you live with five cats and then you carry on by saying, don't get me started. <laughs> so what's the deal having five cats? So you're get me started. Okay, I see. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, when I, when I wrote that passage, we, my wife and I were in transition 
where we were buying a house and currently living with her mother and so you know we were, we were kind of all there and we're all Mar- we're all animal people like we can't help you know you grow up and it's like just one of these things either you want pets or you don't and we just happened to be in a situation where all of us loved animals so we had our two cats they had they're three cats and so that's that's just kind of how it happens and i'm like well that situation's resolved itself now but i'm looking around our house and we still have two cats and have added a dog to the mix so it's like i don't know i i, I can't escape them <laughs> well do you, do you learn anything from the pets that you have um you know what i i think to me actually this is funny i just wrote an answer about um what i do in the mornings and i what I do in the mornings now is walk the dog and like, no matter what. And I don't know, it's probably my fault. I'm sure I got him into a habit whenever we, whenever he was a a much younger puppy, but every day I'm, I'm in this good rhythm where I'm up about five 30 every morning and no matter what, within five minutes of hearing my alarm goes off, I'll hear the dog whine. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get up. I, I've tried to trick him, Martin. Like I, I was like, okay, this, <laughs> this morning I'm going to get up at, at 4.30 and, and see if I can sink downstairs. So I, I walk, you know, the alarm goes off. It's very quiet. I get out of my bed. I tiptoe over to the thing. I reach the stairs and then immediately it's like, arr, arr. so I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. But he he's kind of taught me, I guess, that it doesn't always have to be uh, about productivity, right? Like my mornings, I used to feel like I had to pop up out of bed and like write a thousand words and like do a hundred push-ups and drink a green smoothie and like meditate for three hours. And now it's like, you know, I, I wake up, I have a glass of water, I have my coffee, I walk my dog. And that to me ha- has become really such a a great way to start my day because it's not I don't immediately jump into the to the go 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 to the hustle to the get ahead to the whatever and and I think because of that because of that space and that time I'm able to then come back and you know whenever he goes down for a nap I'm like all right it's definitely on now because because I have my space and I'm like you know what (laughs) life life is about so much more than than work or building some career and it's funny that a dog has to teach you that sometimes, but that's, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah, true. And and in a way, you don't need to do that three hours of meditation because you've now got this lovely walk that you can go off to with, with your dog. And I'm sure that serves as a meditation in itself. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and it's, you know, sort of me waking up and whenever I have to pull him out of the weeds or keep him from eating a lollipop that someone left on the ground, it's a little less meditative. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> For sure. But but definitely it, it gives me that space. Yeah. Nice. OK, well, Todd, it's been excellent talking with you. We're going to wrap it up. And there's just one more question. Maybe it's a biggie. So uh, we'll see where it takes us. But um, you regularly mention how you're learning as you go, learning as you grow and you're clearly on a journey with a plan. But, you, you know, you also seem really open to reevaluating your position and recalculating everything that you're doing uh, because of that learning journey that you take. So first of all, kudos, because mm-hmm. uh, I love the approach that you're taking there. It's a good balance to have. And secondly, just wondering how well you feel you've got the grasp of that balance between having a really detailed long term plan and then winging all the new opportunities that you get. Uh, this is the 
perfect question for right now because the truth is like you're gonna see me i got the three what are we saying cheerleader i got the three cheerleader videos out already you're gonna see 27 more and the truth is like people think that like i had this big plan to do it all along but what happened martin is like day one i'm like you know what i'm just gonna do a little video to get people started and then instantly it comes to me i was like i'm gonna do 30 of these and it's like like that's nice the crazy you know there's no there's no long-term plan to that there was no strategy to that for me it, it was just about in that moment kind of seeing okay here are a lot of people of the type that i really like trying to do something that i've already done and I see myself as a way, like, I just didn't, I didn't want to go halfway. Like, I didn't want to just pop out something and forget about it. I was like, this is my chance to to kind of help people get through this every step of the way. And if I'm not participating, because I started, I was like, well, I'll just do once a week. That's less of a commitment. And I was like, well, these people are in it every day. Like, if I'm going to really take up this thing and I say, yep, I'm supporting you, I need to be in it every day. So to me, honestly, like that balance, long-term strategy versus short-term doing what I feel like, (laughs) I very much lean to the short-term. I I have this longer-term strategy of, you know, okay, I want to get some speaking gigs in 2017. What moves do I have to make to to be there? Okay, you know, I, I want another book to come out toward the end of the year. How can I start laying the groundwork for that? But then at the same, in the day-to-day, Martin, it's like I want to be open to feeling what's on my heart and trying to relate that to people who read my work so that you're not, when you read my stuff, you're not getting anything canned for the most part. You're not getting stuff that I wrote six months ago to have on tap just in case I couldn't write most of the time. I'll do that every once in a while, but it, I, I want to be as fresh as possible. And so that's why I lean toward that short term in the moment side. Interesting. I, I almost felt bad there because when you were saying about canned stuff, I uh, first of all thought you meant about uh, messages that you've heard a, a million times before. <laughs> and you wanted to bring something fresh. But actually, the uh, the, the whole having a, a ton of articles that you've already got and uh, and you just ha- have ready. Um, I kind of I kind of felt a bit bad, but I, I see where you're coming from. What I have is a huge swathe of ideas and I begin to write. So I might well have uh just uh, just a spark so it might be a sentence or it might be 500 words that I want to turn into 2000 words or something so I have a lot of that sometimes they are fully formed and uh, and I'll be able to go with it whenever it presents the right moment because you don't always have the right moment there and then and so uh, I don't feel guilty I at first I was thinking oh hang on a minute you know we might might be at odds here but actually I, I think I, I can go with that it's just what I'm looking at is I have ideas so often that what I don't want to do is just go oh well that too many ideas I, I just use what I have at the time I want to be able to have them ready for when the right moment comes yeah absolutely if that makes sense it, it does make sense and i'm actually going to take that and run with it a little bit because i'm going to to hit on this thing and let's see which one have i posted recently um uh, it, it's so it's called the one thing i know about you and i posted it last week and it's getting quite a bit of attention on medium and the funny thing is like i wrote the punchline to that article four weeks ago 
And, right. but it's like you said, there's a moment for it, right? Like, I think that you, you have to be, okay, let me slow down. So I get this exactly right. Um, ideation and execution are often very separate. Meaning that if I write something at some point, it doesn't necessarily mean, like you said, it doesn't mean that idea is fully baked. Maybe it needs to wait, like maybe who knows what's going to happen in the next four weeks. But like that one in particular, you know, I I just kind of wrote, jotted down this little idea. I didn't know where I was going. And then four weeks later, I just reviewed my notes like I like to do kind of, well, (laughs) semi-regularly. And and I saw it and I thought, aha, this this speaks to me right now. And I know exactly where this is going. And and the fruits of that are are coming up, you know, in in the results. Yeah, it's nice that, you can have those ideas and not waste them right. so that they're, they're always there. You may never use them, but at the same time, it is good to have that. And uh, maybe just to kind of wrap that up and bring it back to your book, The Creative's Curse, is that you're able to create whenever and always. And you don't have to use everything you've created straight away. It doesn't have to be that perfect thing. As you say, it doesn't have to be fully baked. You can take these ideas and suddenly they will spring into action and have a life of their own, maybe even three or four years after you initially had that thought. And it wasn't going to go anywhere then, but then suddenly your life has changed and you remember, oh yeah, like you say, you snap your fingers and you realise it all makes sense now. And you can you can fill in all of those blanks that uh, you, you had at the time. You've got them now. Well, thank you ever so much, Todd. It has been great to speak with you and uh, best of luck, not just with the uh, book, The Creative's Curse, but with absolutely everything you're doing right now. Are there any, uh, any things that uh, you have in the pipeline you'd like to let listeners know about? And, uh, and also, where can they find you online? Great. This is a, yeah, this is the good part. Um, and by the way, I just want to say before anything else, this is, this has been fun. I think this is you and I, this is the first like, um, live conversation we've had. I feel like everything else has been anchor and Twitter. Is that right? Is that yeah. Yep. Yeah, this is the first, the first live chat. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so we'll, we'll have to do it again, but people can catch up with me. Twitter's the best place. I'm always on Twitter every day at Todd Bryson. If you want to catch up with my blogs and stuff, it's just toddbryson.com. Uh, coming up soon, actually, you know, we, we talked about the YouTube thing. I'm ramping that up in the new year. I've got the audio version of The Creative's Curse coming out before the end of this month. So keep an eye out for that. And I've also got it coming in the new year, my next roll up of books. It's a collection of posts and some new content called The Answer Is No. And that will also be dropping at the beginning of the new year. So a, a few things going on. And I hope uh, you guys join to get in on all the action. And I will put all of the links in the show notes as well. So people will not miss out. It's all good. And there you have it. Thanks once again to Todd Bryson for that great interview, sharing the knowledge and sharing his learning journey as well. This has been another episode of Learning Always. You can catch all the show notes at learningalways.co.uk. And indeed, this show is part of the Learning Always Network. People hated me because I'd stay up until two or three in the morning. Everyone else would be dropping like flies. I'd be the last one to bed. And then I'd be up bright and early around seven or eight o'clock and just go, right, when are the lectures? <laughs> yeah, I bet they did hate you because like if I if I had that superpower, I probably would have had more eight o'clock. You know, I, I probably would have done better in school. I did OK, but, you know. <laughs>